fall preview weekend. That is right. We've never had a fall preview weekend. It's usually in February, but we are adding a second and additional preview weekend to make space for those who want to attend. Registration opens September 15th. If you want to be a part or know somebody who wants to attend IBC and check it out, come experience what it's all about at our fall preview weekend. Indiana Bible College is committed to training tomorrow's apostolic ministers today. And this is the Indiana Bible College podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Reverend Juan Lopez, the executive pastor at Calvary Tabernacle, speaking to a group of students on an evening last semester where he shares his story. The title of the remarks are From Prison to Pastor, and it's all about how Brother Lopez went from being involved in gangs and even being in prison to becoming a Christian, getting involved in ministry, and ultimately becoming the executive pastor at Calvary Tabernacle. It's a story I know you're going to enjoy. If you've never heard, you need to hear it. Thank you to the Christian Leadership Program for putting this on. Thank you, Brother Henderson, for organizing it. That's a program here that is new and is exciting. And we hope that you'll check out. But right now, this special evening session with Brother Lopez. Thank you, Brother Anderson. Um, <clears throat> it is way more comfortable to stand up, so I will stand if it's okay with you guys. I took a look at what we were trying to accomplish tonight. Um, you know, I could talk for days about what it was like to go from a drug addict and uh, just uh, a young punk on the streets to God transforming my life and what that was like coming into church, being set free. Uh, But I don't think tonight really the purpose is just testimony night of conversion. Tonight, I think we want to look at what God has done and how he took me through the process is how Brother Henderson put it. What was that process like? And how did the things that happened to you through that process, how did God use them to prepare you for what you're doing today? I think one of the most incredible things about life, and God just does this so well, if you allow him to and you choose to let it settle into your heart and your mind, everything that you go through in life shapes you in one way or the other. It it really does impact who you can be depending on what you're willing to learn from the experiences. And so 19 years old, 18 years old, 17 years old, all that, those few years there, I was lost in the world, uh, was trying to figure out life, was involved with uh, gangs and and drugs, selling drugs, using drugs, Everything you could imagine someone that's just in the world. I was just in the world, like kicking in doors, robbing drug dealers, just everything. From that to really low times where I'm like up all night because I'm wanting to get high and I'm stealing hubcaps off of cars to sell at a junkyard. So there was moments where I thought I was on top of the world, even out there lost. And there was other moments when I realized I was so far below where I wanted to be. But I did meet Brother Sleva as he started working with my family. My mother got in church first, 
Uh, she was the first one I followed after because Brother Sleva was persistent and wouldn't let uh, no be no. So I appreciate you for that. You can sleep anytime I preach. I'm, I'm here because of you, sir. But so getting into church was one thing. Getting into Calvary, God delivered me of the drugs, of the alcohol, of the lifestyle. And, and then he blessed me with this incredible gift. And I went to prison. It's crazy to think about it that way. And you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but it really was a gift for me. I was caught up in the world, and I don't know that I could have broken free from it outside of being pulled out of my environment and placed six hours away in Wilwright, Kentucky, in a prison. I don't think I can. I don't think I could have. Um, and so I'm thankful for that. So getting in church, um, experiencing what I did with God, and then going to prison because even though I got baptized, even though I repented, even though I loved God, I loved God with all my heart, but I committed a lot of crimes. And so I had to debt to pay to society. And so got six years for prison, um, got sentenced to prison. So that's one of the first lessons as I'm going down this path that I realized that God's used to help shape my life. I could have been upset about it. I could have been angry. I remember talking to Brother Sleva when I was in jail um, waiting and going through trial, needing money to make bond. And I'm like, Brother Sleva, can't you just like talk to the church? <laughs> I don't understand. Like we need this much money for bond. Just tell them I'm going to do better. <laughs> I need them to, to post bond. I had great ideas. One of my ideas was we should paint all the ceiling tile a big picture of Jesus so that when we worship, we can look up at him. <laughs> I, man, the ideas, Brother Sleva, that I had. So the church didn't bond me out of jail. Poor Brother Sleeve had to explain that to me, why it didn't make sense, as well as the picture of Jesus. <laughs> but going to prison was something that even after I got there, shortly after I got there, I realized the benefit it was going to be in my life. You know, life is just a series of choices. We choose each and every day what we're going to do, and that takes us down the path that we're going to go. And so the first thing that happened when I got into prison was I got faced with this choice, right? I'm a Christian now. I've got the Holy Ghost now. I want to live for God. I've said that's what I want to do. And now I'm walking into prison and none of the Calvary people are there. No family's there. No friends are there. No one's there. I'm by myself. And, and I'm surrounded by people who are just like who I used to be. Drug dealers, murderers, thieves, liars, cheaters, Gang members, that's what it's full of. And I'm walking in there and I got to decide, okay, am I going to be what I was? Man, that would have been easy. I knew how to do that really well. I could have done that and I would have been just fine, but I would have been lost. So I made up my mind going in there. My choice was, God, you have proven to be true in everything that you said. And so when I went into prison, I made my mind up. I'm a man of God first. And so that choice helped me because when I made my mind up to do that, a lot of things came at me. It wasn't easy. Okay, you can imagine what prison would be like. It was medium security. Um, so we were in large dorms together, but you had barbed wire fence, uh, 
mountain walls surrounding you. Everything was controlled. All the locks were buzzed in and buzzed out. People were doing 20 and 30 years there. There'd be fights out on the weight pile every day, fights in the yard every day. It was just normal those things happened. And here I am, I'm 19 years old, but I've owned the one thing. God has absolutely earned everything I have, everything I owe to him. And so surrendering everything to him, I'm going in here and I'm going to follow you, God, no matter what this path looks like. And he would use moments, like moments in my life in prison, like, like, like right when I got off the bus and was going into gin population, like before I could even make it into my dorm, I'm walking through the line and this gang leader from the Hispanic gang comes up to me and he like singles me out because I'm Juan Lopez how bad I wish he knew I didn't speak Spanish. <laughs> Walks me all the way to the dorm, and he's explaining to me the whole way about how it works, how we stick together, how if you want to be protected, you know, we do, we've got your back, we've got all this. Walks me right into the dorm, white guy sitting on this bunk watching TV, tells this dude on this bunk, hey, my guy right here, pointing to me, which I was not his guy, and he said, whatever he wants to watch, you let him watch. Guy right there, I was like, okay. He's like, do you need cigarettes? I'm like, no, 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 no. No, first off, I don't want to watch your TV. Second off, and I got out of my pillowcase because you carried everything in your pillowcase, my Bible. Right? So one more time, I had a choice. Like, am I going to really do it or am I not going to do it? Prison was a fresh start. Nobody knew me. Like, so if I wanted to be a Christian, I didn't have to live with all the past and baggage of everybody knowing how I messed up. It was a brand new start for me. And so I told him. He argued about it. Long story short, that ended up working out just fine. I learned from that moment, though, that standing for what was right, even when it was really, really difficult, even when I was really, really lonely, God honored that. It's incredible to me that God always honors obedience, right? It's just like always honors obedience, Sometimes we don't know the lesson we're pulling out of it until much later in life. But if we walk in obedience, that's how we know we're doing the right thing. It's not, it's not a complicated deal. Another really uh, impactful moment in prison was when uh, those guys kept up with me, kept up with me, kept up with me. And I said, no, 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 and was going to church and was doing what was right. Eventually, I, I earned respect from them because they saw that I was seriously trying to do right, trying to live for God to the degree that like we had this revival service and, and whoever invited the most guests won this concordance. You guys probably don't even know what those big paper concordance are now. But a, a Strong's exhaustive concordance was the prize and I didn't hardly invite many people, but when they said, okay, who came with Juan Lopez stand up, there was like 40 people that stood up and it was all these Hispanic guys who had heard that, that I would have a chance to win that. And so I won the prize because they just wanted to do something for me. Cinco de Mayo came, and these guys ran the prison. They shut the whole compound down, and the only people that could come out of their cells were Hispanics. This, is, this happened, okay? <laughs> they opened the kitchen up to them, and they just cooked this great meal and had a party for the whole day. Everyone else was on lockdown. And you know what? I got invited. And they asked me to come and they asked me to pray before they started eating their meal. It's just crazy, right? God, how does that even happen? 
I'm standing in commissary one time, and I'm waiting to get food. And commissary is the only place you can get decent food. And by decent food, I mean ramen noodles. Uh, you can get some chili peppers to put in there. You can buy cheese or something close to cheese. Um, I didn't need refrigerated, so it wasn't real cheese. Um, and I waited there for over an hour, and I'm standing there probably four or five months into my sentence, and this guy walks up to me and just cuts me in line. And uh, I'm just like, hey, hey, bro, I've been here for a long time. And uh, immediately, immediately in front of a 200 people at least, he turns around and he's cussing all in my face, yelling at me, blah, 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 blah. And like I'm in this instant trying to figure out, like, do I just take his head off? <laughs> what do I do, God? He is every, I'm not at high school. I'm not at college. I'm in prison. And they're watching this guy treat me that way. It doesn't help you when you're in prison for people to see weakness, okay? And instantly, I talked through it in my head, but it was like milliseconds, just peace. And he turned around, and I had to stand behind him for another hour waiting in line to get my commissary. But the peace of God. I didn't know how impactful those moments were. The enemy, I'm sure, would have loved to use those as a trial that would have set me back because you get in a fight in prison, you go to the hole and you get more time, right? He would have used all of those moments. But God used those moments because I made the choice. It wasn't perfect, okay? It wasn't perfect. I gambled a lot before I went in prison. I told myself I would not gamble when I got in prison, had the Holy Ghost. I just convinced myself that playing for push-ups was okay. So we'd play cards for push-ups, and it was never a big deal. And then one day a friend, someone I almost considered a friend in prison, lost and owed me push-ups. And he went to walk away and wasn't going to do it. And like there was a group of guys standing around. And instantly I was upset and grabbed his arm. And the Holy Ghost checked me immediately. This is why you don't even play for push-ups. And so you just let him go. And he went on about his day. Our friendship was fine. But it's all of those moments. Like I can't, I can't just tell you that God painted this wonderful spread for me and he said, Juan, I'm going to take you from here through this. You're going to learn this. You're going to go through that. You're going to do that. It wasn't that way at all. It was just life. Life. I was just living life, trying to obey. And in trying to obey, God just kept on helping me and blessing me. I got miracles while I was in prison, physical miracles while I was in prison, physical miracles when I got out of prison. God was just doing and confirming in me everything that I read about in Scripture. And by the way, like the Bible was the first book I ever read. Like dropped out of high school, ninth grade. Just, so I never read, couldn't read. It was hard to read, difficult. I remember going my way to prison. You go to this place where you sit down in a, in a cell and you're locked down with one other person for about 35 days and you get out for about an hour um, every two days when you compile all your time to go eat. And I remember sitting in there and there was no one to talk to. Uh, my roommate could sleep his whole life away. I couldn't sleep at all. Uh, I spent the month like that and I got a guy next to me in the cell who started talking to me. You, you would lay on the floor and you would talk underneath the doors and you could hear each other. And and ends up, he wanted to talk scripture too. 
And I'm reading the New Testament, I can't remember, so many times through. It was over 10 times before it hit me and made sense. Because I'm reading it and I don't understand any of it. Any of it. None of it makes sense. Not just because I wasn't educated, but not educated on top of the fact that it was KJV. I was lost. So I could not understand it. So praying, God, help me understand, help me understand. And what was incredible is I started to understand. And so then the moment I started to understand, I would share it with anybody. The guy next to me in the cell, I remember we're laying on our bellies. Like you can, it's only like that big of a crack. And I can't see the guy. I have no idea what he looks like. We're just talking to him, talking to him, and sliding our Bible out the door and over. Bible come back, out the door and over. Just a little wall between us. But if I was going to live for God, then I had to know who he was. I had to understand what he expected. And if I didn't have a hunger to drive that, there's no way I would have survived any of this. Prison wouldn't have worked. Those experiences um, with those guys, it just wouldn't have happened. So I get an opportunity to get out of prison early. Um, I've done one year of the... You get six years, you need to do three of it so you can get out and get probation for the other three. So that was my sentence, six years. I did one year, and I came back for modification and asked the judge to give me a change of sentencing. Brother Sleva, I don't even remember how all this went down, but for sure, Brother Sleva talked to Pastor Mooney at the time, and Pastor Mooney signed my approval letter to come to Indiana Bible College while I was in prison. That went with me to court, and because of that kind of support, they would call it community support, and then the support of my family, I was able to be released after just doing one year, and they moved me to downtown Indianapolis work release, which is like a jail you live in, but you get out to go to work, and you get out to go to school. Most of them did not go to school. Get out to go to school, and they charge you a lot of money to stay there. So that's how that works. So I got to spend the next year and a half in work release. But here's another lesson I learned. It was so valuable. I did not understand it then. I didn't get upset about it, but I just didn't value it the way I value it today. Pastor Mooney said, you can come to Indiana Bible College, sign that for you, but you cannot live on campus. So I could see how right away somebody could say, see, nobody believes in me. They're just singling me out because of my past or holding it over my head. But for me, I knew, I knew I had to earn people's trust. I'd spent my whole life destroying trust. And if I wanted someone to believe in me, I needed to prove that they had a reason to believe in me. And Pastor Mooney taught me, he said, here's how life works. And this is how God always wants it to be. I need to provide you grace. I need to allow you the opportunity for God to use you and to come to Indiana Bible College while I protect the students that are already there. And I'll do that by letting you come to Bible College, but that's how I'll give you the grace, and I'll protect the students by not allowing you to live on campus. So my experience at IBC would be completely different than yours. I would have to get on the work scholarship program for any like events, like where you go to banquets, like I couldn't go with banquet dates or any of those things. I could go to the banquet, but I had to work at the banquet. So I got to clean up or I had to do something like that. My whole time here, I was on the janitorial staff because I had no money. So another thing Brother Mooney let me do was work scholarship to pay for everything. 
And so it was like all these opportunities, God was open the door, but with every single one of them, it required me to continue to prove that I wanted to live for him. That's what I really, really wanted. And so I got to walk around here as the new kid on school, but not the new kid on school that people thought, hey, that's a nice guy or a cool guy. No, he's the guy that takes out my trash. He's the guy that mops. He's the guy that yells, man on the floor. <laughs> Gosh. So I can come up there and get the trash. The guy mopping the floor. The guy cleaning. But none of that ever. So I say that, and it's like it's almost hard for me to say it in that tone because I was so thankful. I was so thankful to be able to take out the trash, to be able to clean up around this place, to be able to go to school here. Everything I was thankful for. But it just came back to the choices. It wasn't easy. Living in work release wasn't easy. I was there very short period of time, and I walked into the little rinky-dink weight room. You would have laughed at it, Brother Henderson. And I hear the door shut behind me, and I turn around, and I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. Like me and this guy... We're all over the city of Indianapolis. Like his group, my group, it was bad, bad, bad. And I, I had looked for him for a long time by himself. And he looked for me for a long time by myself. Never happened. And then I turn around right there, and he's standing there staring at me. <laughs> there was not even, this is the crazy part, there was not even a moment like in the gym when that guy cut me, there was a millisecond. He was smaller than me and everything. Could you, could you imagine somebody smaller than me? That's what you're thinking. But in this instance, there wasn't even a millisecond of anger or frustration for this guy. Or I want to fight this guy. It was obvious he shut the door so he could fight me. No cameras in there. But the moment I said to him, I said, hey, my life now? on a totally different page. I'm really trying to live for God. That's what I said to this guy. He says, this is all he says. Me too. Turned around, walked out. Never another problem. He was well connected. He had a lot of friends that were in the same facility as us. No one ever tried. So, so here's the thing. Think about this. These are lessons that, like, and this is not bragging. I've been beat up a lot. I've been beat up a lot. That's why, that's why I can't think. <laughs> but I've been in, I've, I would allow myself before to get in a fight for nothing, for nothing. Somebody stepping on your shoe, somebody bumping into you at the mall. We would get in the car and for fun, we would drive around, we would just find somebody to get in a fight with. That was just what we did. And so to think that God could transform my heart in a way that somebody could cuss me out in my face, that I could see like this arch rival enemy and, and not even think about fighting that person or getting into it with that person, it's like, it, it is something I can't explain. I can't explain how that works. I just know that he does it. And he did that, like cleans me up. And prison and work release, work release once again, Brother Sleeve, I told you before, was another gift. A year and a half, it was hard. Every, in this place you lived in a little cells and there was four of you, Right? And, and folks snuck everything into this place. Weed, coke, alcohol, cigarettes, everything they snuck into here. And I would be gone most of the time because I would work at IBC and go to work at Steak and Shake, the glorious job I had downtown. So I was gone a lot. But when I'd come back, you guys were always doing things they weren't supposed to do. Like always in my room. 
And so I had to live through that. But there was never a time when I thought, man, today I should just get high again. Today I should just use again. The more, the more, this, this is so true, the more I walked in obedience, the easier it got. And it wasn't like I kept hitting the same challenge over and over again. Ex-girlfriend reached out to me. Man, I could have messed my whole life up. Um, work release, though. I don't even think once she realized I was in work release, I don't think she was willing to put up with how do you have a relationship or how do you reach out to somebody that's going to be locked up for the next year and a half. It saved me. So I like to think I was strong enough. And I did overcome a lot of things, but, man, God just kept his hand on me, and, and every area kept his hand on me. I got to get a job when I was uh, at Bible college here, and I worked for Von Marr. It was a dear friend of mine, Ember Meadows. She was such a sweet lady. She went here, and we just become really good friends. And she got her, uh, Von Marr. I was working at Steak and Shake for like six bucks an hour, and she got Von Marr to to let me work there, I filled out an application, but to make my schedule the exact same as hers so that, she, so that I'd have a ride to work and a ride home every day because, you know, the buses didn't work. They didn't run after the store closed. I was downtown in the facility, just all of those things. And so for a year and a half of being here at IBC, I had, like, it was like God just made this thing happen. Like, we didn't date. It wasn't a relationship. That's another thing I made my mind up. Choices. Oh, man, there's nothing more powerful that God has given us than the ability to choose. Because when I got out of prison and I came here, there's like a two-to-one ratio, maybe better, for women versus men. Okay? But I made up in my mind. There was no question. When I got here, I'm not dating anybody. I'm not dating anybody, talking to any girls at all. For two years. And so for two years, I did not at all. I'm not a little bit, not a cheat here, not a flirt here. I needed to, I don't, I just got in church before I went to prison. And I had just gotten out of prison when I came to Bible college. So it was all really fast. I had no foundation. No foundation in, in actually what it meant to really get grounded with God. All I knew is the little bit I learned when I read the Bible, I needed to obey it. And that's what I did. But when I got here, I knew I needed to get grounded. And so I could not allow a distraction in my life. And then better than that, what good would I be to her? Right? What good would I be? And so two years, no, no dating. And that allowed me to focus on what was important. That allowed me to work on school, work on my heart, grow in Christ. The uh, two years comes up to about an end. And uh, I notice as I'm walking out of the kitchen, it's where... Sister Sheila's office is now, but it used to be a room where they parked the trash carts. And we're college students, so nobody thinks. And we just throw trash full of milk, trash full of, and it just gets piled in there back then. And it would smell. Like, how bad his idea was that to be a trash room? It's like what you guys have down by the chapel now, except it's clean by the chapel. Here was not clean. Uh, we could close the door and just pretend like it wasn't there. And you could smell it out there. Um... And I walk by, the door's open, and somebody is inside there cleaning it out, right? I'm talking maggots, nastiness. And so I poke my head in, and I see this beautiful young lady, whom I would later marry, in there cleaning. 
And I thought to myself, I thought to myself, if I'm going to have a ministry, I need someone that's willing to work like that. And so she had a boyfriend. I, I just realized that when it came time and I felt like I could date somebody or at least try, right, at least try to get to know somebody, it was important to me that once again I honor the power of choice and I look for somebody, I choose somebody that has the qualities that God would want me to have one day as a wife and one day the mother of my children. There was never any room for anything less I had all kinds of things made up in my head about what I expected and what needed to happen if I was going to be, if it was going to really work, but just box after box. They broke up. I did not come in between them. They broke up. And then I pursued. And quite frankly, she made it near impossible. She made it near impossible. I tried hard. I, I was in charge of work scholarship because I was super poor, remember, and working here. Well, so was she. She was super poor. And so I would schedule us on the same jobs. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, they would be public jobs. We'd be out in the open or there'd be a group of us. But she would be with me and I would be with her. I remember buying her some shoes, teddy bears. And I was poor. Like, I was getting stuff at Von Mar on clearance and with my employee discount to try to just give her something nice to be, uh, show my affection and like nothing made sense. Like she wasn't just what she wasn't getting it. And uh, actually, I'm traumatized by this. I don't even like talking about it. I don't even like talking about it. Eventually, eventually, she gave in and we got married. She finished her four years here at Bible College. And I promised Brother Henderson by eight o'clock I'll stop so we can do anything else you want. She finished that time at Bible College. Uh, I was two years into Bible college and felt clear that with her finishing and me having to, us being engaged and me needing to supply for the family that I needed to pray intently about going further with Bible college or if this was enough. Prayed, counseled with the staff here and decided that, okay, two years was my stopping point for Bible college, which is why a large group of people in this room made fun of me when I taught a class <laughs> here recently, courteous courtesy of my good friend, uh, that I did not graduate. Uh, I got a keychain in the mail. You guys sent me that, so joke's on you. <laughs> um, but then I had to go into the workforce and start a ministry. And me and, me and Janae, right out of Bible college, we went to Chicago area to, for a youth pastor position because uh, that's what it seems like we're supposed to do. Made sense. It was an honor to go because it was with Jason Stone, who was my youth pastor when I got in church before I went to prison. And he was out there taking over a church in that Chicagoland area. Went out there um, and just felt unease about it. There was no peace in it, right? It would have been so cool for us to actually step into some like ministry role there because it just felt like that's what we were supposed to do or at least that's what everyone else thought we were supposed to do. But it didn't feel right, and we turned that down, uh, which was weird because he was so good to me and instrumental in helping me get grounded in Christ. Got a job um, 
working and selling janitorial supplies. So that's like, 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 in fact, I took part in helping you guys get those towels over there and toilet paper and soap around this place. And because what I did, this is so funny, because the work around IBC where I was cleaning and scheduling cleaning and managing like 60 people on the cleaning crew back then, all of that helped me get my job when we got married for a company that sold those supplies from business to business. And so started off, the owner was a board member, got in there, got into sales, and I quickly realized my love for helping people reach their potential. Like, you could, you could judge all you want. You were selling toilet paper. You were selling, I was. I sold a lot of toilet paper, <laughs> a lot of vacuums, a lot of soap. But every time it was more than just soap and toilet paper for me. When I went to call on a client, I was helping them reach their goals no matter what it was. And I loved that. And in doing that, it helped prepare me for ministry. Because in ministry, I'm trying to help people realize their potential that they don't even know that's there in Christ. And then once they see it, help them understand that they can achieve it. They can get there. Well, in ministry, we were helping out uh, with the young adults. Got pulled into that. Not right away. Right In the beginning, we were in the, pretty quickly. Okay, pretty quickly, we were in the young adult group, working with that group, and trying to disciple people and teach Bible studies. And all of those skills were so it just worked out. Both sides, my career and my ministry, everything was helping me to be better for Christ. Everything was. And it stayed that way for the rest of my career. I did well there. I got promotions there. Um, company got bought out by a big company. Uh, went from you know $10 million company to $150 million company. And then left there and went to a billion dollar company. And in all of these instances, the guy that dropped out of school in ninth grade Look, I want you to know this because I'm telling you now, you don't get through life and doing this thing right based on like your, your ability. You may be super talented. I just happen to be the guy that wasn't. But you may be super talented and gifted. But if you're going to get this thing right, you're going to have to rely on him. And you're going to have to be comfortable with his favor saying, hey, you're going to get some things that you don't really deserve. I'm going to put you in places that you didn't really earn, right? And be okay with that. Don't let your pride get in the way. So God gave me opportunities, and he opened doors for me in positions and uh, in companies that, man, I was thankful. I worked my tail off. There's no doubt about that. I worked as hard as anybody could work. I did. And if I told you I was going to do something, my word was it. It was done. You could count on it. Or I died trying to do it. That was all. And so working hard, doing my very best, but still knowing that God made up all the difference, like, Explain. I remember when the company got bought out, I had to sit down and explain to them. They sat across from me and they said, hey, we understand there's a lot of Juan Lopez's. It's a common name. But when we ran your background, there were some things that came up, and we just need you to help us understand that that's not you. Huh. I've told that story to, like, so many people in HR. And here's how I dealt with that. I said, that was me. Everything that you read on there is absolutely true. I said, but there came a time in my life when I was introduced to Christ and he transformed everything. And I'm not that same person, but I understand that if your company policy won't allow me to stay on staff, I won't be upset at you guys. I made those poor decisions back then and I understand there's consequences. And every single time I had to tell that story, I got to keep the job. 
or in some instances, it was due to a promotion. I was able to keep the promotion. And so everything in my career is I'm doing ministry and I'm doing career side by side because it was all about him. You know, God doesn't, we, the, the verse in Matthew 6.33 maybe about seek ye first the kingdom of God, right? We, we, when you say that alone, I even tend to think all these things will be added into you, right? Like blessings and all this good stuff. But if you go back a few verses and you look at what he's actually saying, that's not what he's saying. He's talking about basic necessities, clothing, shelter, and f- those are the things that will be added into you. So seek First, the kingdom of God. And the promise is he'll take care of the things you need, right? So we just have to be okay with knowing that he's going to supply the things we need. Everything else in life that God gave us and opened doors for us beyond clothing, shelter, and food, we count as incredible blessings. There's no doubt about that. But the part for us doing life together was, man, okay, God, this is hard. And we went through some Hard times, hard times, bad business decisions where I partnered with a gentleman, worked hard to build a company with him. Um, it was my naivety. I was young. I'd never owned anything. I'd never been anything. And I could own a business and I could work towards building something and we did and it was going so well. And then it just didn't. And I ended up in this lawsuit. And I, I did things so bad that the guy was able to use the funds from the company that I helped build to fund his end of the lawsuit while I went a hundred and something thousand dollars in the hole. Almost lost our house. It went on for like four years. I mean, we just didn't understand. It did not make sense why I did everything I thought to do that was right, and yet still bad things happened. But at the end of the day, God didn't say he would keep bad things from happening. Right? So my, my, am I going to choose to give up? He's doing exactly what he said he would, and he kept us. And this lovely lady right here, I'm going to tell you, I made the decision to go in partnership. I worked the long hours to help make the business grow. When it was a success, we enjoyed the benefits of it. But when it fell apart, not one time. Not one time. Did she ever say, why did you do that? Or did she ever say, it's all your fault? Not one time. You think it won't matter who you marry? It didn't matter. That was probably our weakest, weakest, hardest time. But it was a long span. And I get through that season and I realize I can make it through a lot with your help, God. For me, that was way harder than prison. I had kids, people that were counting on me. I messed everything up. But God just stayed faithful. The people around me were faithful. And he just opened doors up, and the career goes well, everything goes well, and I end up at a place where we're very content. There's a few times we thought God was going to take us other places, really thought he was, and he shut the door. And so we're 20 years into being at Calvary, and I get calls from friends, good, good people, that cared about me. But the conversation would be things like, you're still at Calvary, right? You graduated Bible college, you're still there. 
Everyone else is doing these things. And I understand what they meant, the sentiment behind it, but we, we just felt like this is where we were supposed to be. Sometimes when we even thought about leaving, God would, something would happen and we would be right here still. We were so content, just got this brand new job, made a decision that, hey, if I'm going to work and I'm going to uh, be in ministry, I want Janae to be able to come home, quit working at the school in the kitchen. She loved you guys, but I was tired of her working in the kitchen. And so I made a career change, started working for this big company, incredible money. Sky was the limit. Things were going great, and I felt no fulfillment. Two months into it, no fulfillment. God starts stirring us. All he was doing was telling us that there's something coming. He was not clear at what it was. So much so that we started counseling with Pastor and Sister Carson. Like, guys, I don't know if we're going to be leaving. I don't know what's going to happen. I just need you to pray with us because God's stirring us. There's an unsettledness. I'm here where I thought I wanted to be. I get the great career, great job, and the great ministry at Calvary. We're doing 100 things, loving it, and all volunteerism. And now I feel no fulfillment. Little did I know at that exact same time, actually months before that, God just spoke to Pastor Carson and said, he's your guy to pick. That's who's going to be your guy. Pastor Carson knew that from God when I went to him and said, hey, I'm going to take this job where I'm going to make, you know, a lot of money. And he approved me taking the job knowing that I was supposed to be coming to the church. And then I remember sitting in a restaurant having the conversation when, when Brother Hauk, Dan Hauk, was talking, I was asking his advice about something. He was talking. His lips were moving. I could tell that was happening. But God was dealing with me so strong. And he said, when are you going to listen? Call Pastor Carson and tell him now that if you and your wife can be a blessing to the church and not a burden, you'll do anything he asks. I called my wife. I was crying. I'm so emotional. I'm emotional. That's God's sense of humor. I was not always this way. I was not always this way. Now I'm in church. I'm an emotional wreck. Um, <laughs> call my wife. I'm crying. Call Pastor Carson instantly. I need to see you now. Today, Pastor, anytime. I just need to see you. God spoke to me. <laughs> and he's like, well, I'm at IBC in a meeting. If you drive here, I'll step out. Come see him. He sits down on the couch from Brother Gallions. I'm, I'm still bawling. Like, he's got to be hating life right then. He's like, please get it together. It was, God had never spoken so clear to me as he did that, and I wanted to obey. And pastor said, when I told him what I said, he said, it's about time. He said, I just knew it. I knew it months ago. I have the paperwork in my backpack. I've been carrying the contract. We'll meet and we'll talk about it. It was during the James Wilson concert. We met that night. I would have did anything he asked to think, to think that we're able to serve at the level we're able to serve was nowhere on our radar. But to think that God had a plan that this city that I helped tear apart for so many years he would allow me the opportunity to serve this incredible congregation to help pull my life together and to minister to this city. It's the greatest honor. 
I'll pause there, Brother Henderson, and just, I think that's long enough. We hope to interact with you at a booth, at a conference, and maybe you want to pick up a t-shirt there, but we get questions all the time. Where can we find that new tumbler or that shirt that we saw? The IBC store will ship items directly to your door. The website is store.indianabible.college. Check it out for all your IBC merch. Good news to all the musicians and worship leaders who use multi-tracks. The Welcome Home album multi-tracks are now available on the IBC store. That was formerly voicevision.com. It is now the IBC store accessible at store.indianabible.college. There are multi-tracks, chord charts from Welcome Home as well as previous albums. Check it all out at the IBC store.